Father God, uh, thank you for your presence with us uh, this morning. Thank you for all that we have heard from you. And we now ask that as we turn to the reading that Basil has just read to us, that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, everybody. And uh, can I just encourage you that... um, uh, announcement that Emma made uh, that that service is going to be here next Sunday night. We we it's a really, we're really excited about it. This thing we're calling Kingdom Come, uh, and we will you know the youth will be there and all that sort of stuff. And we just want to bring the whole church family together. You know, so I really encourage you if you can bring kids along, bring them along. If you need to arrange babysitters, whatever, uh, whatever you need to do, please do make that a priority once a month. That very special service, uh, Kingdom Come. Uh, I heard a wee story. Uh, about an old farmer uh, who goes to the city one weekend and he attends this big city church. And he came home and his wife asked him uh, how it was. And the farmer said, well, he said it was good, but they did something different. They sang uh, praise choruses instead of hymns. Praise choruses, said his wife. What on earth are those? And the farmer said, oh, well, they're okay. They're sort of like hymns, but they're only different, said the farmer. She said, well, what's the difference? The farmer said, well, it's like this. If I were to say to you, Martha, the cows are in the corn, well, that would be a hymn. But if, on the other hand, I was to say to you, Martha, 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 oh, Martha, 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 the cows, the big cows, the brown cows, the black cows, the white cows, the black and white cows, the cows, the cows, the cows, are in the corn, 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 the corn, the corn, the corn. And if I was to repeat the whole thing five times, well, that would be a praise chorus. There you go, team. Sorry about that. Okay. (laughs) And the next weekend, the next weekend, uh, the farmer's nephew, who was a young new Christian from the city, came to visit, and he attended the small uh, local church of the town, and he went home, and his wife asked him how it was. And he said, well, uh, it was good, but they did something a wee bit different. They sang uh, these hymns instead of praise choruses. Hymns, asked his wife, what are those? Well, they're okay. They're sort of like uh, regular songs, only different. What's the difference, said the uh, wife. Uh, he said, well, it's like this. If I was to say to you, Martha, the cows are in the corn, well, that would be a praise chorus. But if I was to say to you, on the other hand, O Martha, dear Martha, hear thou my cry, inclinest thine ear to the words of my mouth, and turn thou thy whole wondrous ear by and by to the righteous, inimitable, glorious truth for the way of the animals. Who can explain? There is no heads as the shadow of sins. Hearkenest they in God's son or his reign, unless from the mild tempting corn they are fenced. Yea, those cows in glad bovine, rebellious delight, have broken free from their shackles, their warm pens ensued. Then, goaded by minions of darkness and night, they all my sweet child, and corn they have chewed. So look to the bright shining day by and by, where all foul corruptions of earth are reborn, where no vicious animals make thy soul cry, and I no longer see those foul cows in the corn. And then if I were to do only uh, those uh, verses 1, 3, and 4, and do a key change on the last verse, that would be him. There you go. So, uh, folks, we all have different ideas of our, our favorite kinds of music, but I thought it was really interesting. Did anybody see, I've actually forgotten his name for a wee second, Peter Kay, is it Peter Kay? Uh, and Peter Kay's big, uh, he, was, he was playing this big massive uh, hall, 
and he started to sing uh, what he called assembly bangers, okay? And assembly bangers were songs that you learned at assembly. And he had all of these people, non-Christian people, presumably huge, because thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and Peter Kay led them in these songs like, he's got the whole world in his hands. And there were thousands of people singing them. And then he did, deep and, huh, deep and, there's a fountain. And he did it. And everybody knew it. You know, it was incredible. And that is really what I want us to think about today. It's this idea, just going back to it once again, of deep and wide, of deep and wide, um, this beautiful wee old song that we all know. And I really want to look back again at this sort of passage that shapes our vision of going deep and wide, deeper with Jesus and wider into our community, uh, where we hear about Simon uh, being asked to put out into the deep. The first wee thing I want to share with you is that we, as a church, need to move deeper. We need to move deeper. Since uh, I, I've shared this wee vision with you, we, we've, you know, I believe, moved a lot deeper in the place of worship, uh, in the place of prayer. I think uh, Powerhouse has been a particularly exciting part of that as well. Um, but we need to move even deeper still. We read uh, in the passage that Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Whoever you are, there's always deeper to go. If you're uh, not a Christian and you haven't made that decision, there's deeper for you to go. If you're a Christian uh, and you've been a Christian for decades, for most of your life, there's deeper to go. And if you look to that wee passage, first of all, Jesus asks Peter to put out a little from the shore. Some, some of us might be being called today to just put out a wee bit from the shore, to go a little bit deeper. But then, as we see, he then says, put out into the deep water. Go even further. So we're all being called to go deep. How are we being called to go deep and how deep we're being called to go is the only question. I remember years ago in, in Lisburg, maybe you've all seen this wee illustration, but Zara used to use this illustration, I think, unless I forget about it, uh, but, um, of, of a swimming pool. You know, and you had a picture, and it had all these people. There was people diving, and there was people swimming, and there was people in the shallow end, and people in the deep end, and there was people sitting up, you know, in those wee seats, uh, waiting, and all that sort of stuff. And the question was, where are you? Are you in the depths? Are you in the shallows? Are you not even in the water yet? Or are you outside the swimming pool? Where are you and could you go deeper? Jesus first told Peter to go a wee bit deeper. And then he told him to go a lot deeper. He'd have to go further if he wanted to see this miracle. And there's always a call. And I think this is what we need to realize. And we'll think about this a wee bit tonight uh, in our evening service. That, you know... Salvation is by faith alone, but that doesn't mean it doesn't involve movement. It doesn't mean that it's opposed to effort. And if you look at the Bible, you'll see that people are told, if you want to be healed, you've got to dip in the Jordan. If the wee boy wanted to see the miracle, sorry, something weird happened to sound, sorry about that. If, if, if the wee boy wanted to see the miracle, he had to give Jesus his lunch, five loaves and two fishes. If the man with the withered hand wanted to be healed, he had to stretch it out. 
we're always called into movement. And if you think about it, we know the end of this story. Peter's going to have this enormous catch of fish. But he was never going to get it when the boat was on the shore, was he? He was never going to get it. And unfortunately, we are still working from the model, I think, in the Western church, where we think that people are just going to, the fish are just going to come in from the, the, the lake and just jump into our boats. But they don't do that. You have to go out and put out into deep water and get ready for a catch. Do you want me to change the microphone, Johnny? Are you all right? Is it okay? Okay. So we need to move deeper. How would the Lord be calling you to move deeper? If we're not catching fish where we are, where do we need to go to get them? The second thing I just want to mention is that we need a depth of obedience, a depth of obedience. We read that there are two boats left there by the fishermen who are washing their nets. Now, washing the nets back in, that, in those days, you fished at night because the nets were a bit like a sheet, like a big linen sheet. You fished at night because otherwise the fish would see them. Um, and they were very, very, very difficult to clean. And we have these fishermen who, after a, a really unsuccessful night, are washing their nets, put out in, into deep water, and let down the nets for a catch. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be? You've nearly the net cleaned, and now you're going to go on this sort of wild goose chase with throwing your nets in in the middle of the day. And Simon says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Can you imagine? Fishermen had a bad night, they're cleaning their nets, and a carpenter comes along and tells them to dip them in again. You know, I always think, Graham Soonis, for any football fans, he, he always says, I've played the game. I've played the game. Okay, when, when Simon Jordan or somebody challenges him uh, about football, he's played the game. He's not going to take any advice from somebody who hasn't played the game. And you can imagine Peter going, I fished my whole life. And now, Carpenter, you're telling me to let down these nets that I've spent so much time cleaning. And yet he does it. Because of your word, because you say so, because you say so. He had toiled all night, he'd worked hard. Had Peter been doing it wrong? Had he been fishing in a swimming pool or something? Had he been doing it wrong? No. He'd been toiling, but it just hadn't happened. But he needed to obey the word of the master. You know, there's nothing that the church has been doing wrong. You know, uh, and we've been very, very, very blessed. But we're now in a season where we need to pray and go and invite. That's the season that we're in. And then there will be breakthrough. The key to breakthrough is Jesus' presence and Jesus' word. And what I would love is that we would all be listening to the voice of Jesus as to what we should do in going deeper. You know, if this church relies on my ideas alone, we're, we're scuppered because, you know, I'm from Monaghan. You know, I didn't do that well in my exams uh, and all that sort of stuff. You don't want to be waiting on my creativity. Let's all be creative. Let's all be listening to the Lord. What does he want us to do? What does he want you to do? We've been toiling, but let's look for the voice of the Lord. You know, I, I would love it if the BB and the GFS and Nitwits and Everybody, you know, we all just began to think about how can we, we've been toiling, we've been working hard, 
How can we go into the depths for a catch? What do we need to do? And as Stuart has already shared, you know, on a Friday after our wee Bible study here, and we'll make other spaces for this as well, we're going to just start knocking doors. We're just going to start uh, number one of 2024. In 2024, we're going to just knock the doors and we're going to give them a wee gift and share life with our community. And there's stuff that you can be involved in in that too. A depth of obedience. And then a depth of unity. A depth of unity. Can we move to the next slide, please? Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. I just want you to hear the, the, the words that we've worked hard all night. We've worked hard all night. But because you say, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number. So they signaled to their partners uh, in the other boat to come and help them. I've always read that story like Peter lets down the nets. Did you? Peter does it. But it doesn't say that. It says, we've worked, and then they did it. This wasn't just one person doing the fishing. I don't know if anybody... Does anybody here go fishing? Who goes fishing here? Okay. One or two, okay. Who prefers to go fishing on their own? A wee bit of peace, no? Okay, I'm sure there are people who like just sitting a wee bit of peace and fishing on their own. But see the kingdom of God. You don't fish on your own. For too long, uh, the boy with a collar has the fishing rod, you know? And the boy with a collar hasn't got even 1% of the reach that you folks have into your world. Not even 1% of the reach. And the boy with a collar just doesn't have time to reach everybody in our community. And even when we've got two people with collars, we're still not going to do it. Or still, if we've got five staff, we're still not going to do it. This is a unified call forward. And it's a unified call that's driven by realities. You know, as Emma said, please don't watch it, for goodness sake. But there's an RT service going out today um, from, from New Wine. And uh, I, I shared a wee, because it's Christian Unity Week, okay? Christian Unity Week. Uh, and we, we spoke out of that uh, issue of unity. And I used a, a favorite quote from A.W. Tozer. He says that... Uh, Men and women carefully organized into religion is no more a church than 11 dead men organized into a football team. Okay? We're not unified just because we're organized. We have to be unified around truth. Around truth of the resurrection, around truth of God's word, and around truth that Jesus is the only way to the Father. These are key things. We were uh, at a, a clergy leaders training day on Thursday and there was a guy there, an incredible evangelist called Rico Tice. And Rico Tice told this story. Um, it was a story of a member of the British royal family. And the person of the British royal family it was, was the Queen. Okay, The Queen asked a member uh, of the clergy of the Church of England if there was a hell And the clergyman replied, Your Highness, the Bible says so. Jesus taught so, and the articles of the Church of England affirm so. To which the Queen replied, and these are her words, I'm not going to change them, even though they're maybe a wee bit hard-hitting. Remember, the, the Bible tells us so. 
Jesus taught so the articles of the Church of England affirm so. She she responded, then why in God's name do you not tell us about it? That was the Queen said that. Why do you not tell us about it? And we are unified, folks, in these realities. We've just had a sermon series on heaven. And we have that on our lips because we have lost eternity on our hearts. It's not solitary fishing. We're going out because we have convictions about death and about reality and about what Jesus came to do. And depth of experience. Depth of experience. When Simon Peter saw this, this amazing catch of fish, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Peter had heard the preaching But it hadn't brought him to his knees. He'd heard Jesus preaching and it hadn't brought him to his knees. It was seeing the power of Jesus that brought him to his knees. You know, he'd heard with his ears these amazing words from from God himself. But it was only when he felt the weight on those nets. It's only when he felt the, the nets starting to break and the ship probably ready to capsize. It was only then where he realized this God is powerful. And this God is to be feared. He says, go away, Lord, for I am a sinful man. You know, Peter would have never seen that washing his nets. He would have never seen it. He went out into the depth and he experienced it. You know, folks, I can tell you, do you see when I go up to somebody and I talk to them about Jesus in in contexts that aren't the church, I can tell you, I find it really difficult, okay? I find myself feeling like I'm going to get sick, okay, uh, of nerves. And I remember a little phrase that I once read. It's the title of a book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. But you see that moment when you share something and the person says, yeah, that does speak into my situation. That does speak into my life. You realize how powerful the Lord actually is in a way that you would never realize just sitting in the church. When you go out and do it and trust him. The Chinese church, which is an absolutely enormous, enormous, enormous growing church, uh, somebody once asked them, why do you see healing in the Chinese church? Do you know what the, the pastor said back? He said, we never see healing in the church. We see it when we go out of the church and minister. This could be a really exciting year for you. If you would step out into something deep that you've never tried before. Finally, if we move to the last slide. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Yo, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. Think about the boats just for a second. Did Simon obey Jesus on the boat? Yes. He obeyed him on the boat, didn't he? Jesus said, you know, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. He obeyed him on the boat. But here's the amazing thing. He obeyed him when he left the boat behind as well. You know, it's wonderful and so important for every Christian that we are here 
in this boat. Now, I know Darlingstown, we have the most amazing sailing in the world, Nicola. Uh, it's obviously incredible, but it's not like uh, the old traditional churches, which are a bit like the inside of a boat, aren't they? And that's why they're called the nave. And that's where we get the word navy. Because a lot of uh, old churches have that very traditional nave where you almost look up and it's like the inside or the bottom of a boat. It's really important to be in the boat. But it's also really important to leave the boat on the shore and go out into your wake, leave everything and follow him. So whether, whether you just go a little bit farther out And I wonder who would be brave enough. I'm not going to make you all do it now, okay? But I wonder who would be brave enough before they leave this building to take their phone and text somebody about Alpha before they leave. Somebody that they know would really be blessed and benefit from Alpha. Just push your your wee boat out. And it's no point inviting them. You have to say you'll come with them, okay? Um, But you'd invite them to Alpha. It's amazing how open people are 30 million people have done it already, and it's amazing how open people are doing it. Maybe you just push your boat out a wee bit and just send a text, or send a number of texts, or, or to our, our Kingdom Come night next Sunday night. You know, in your church, we're having a big, uh, lovely worship event next Sunday in my church. Would you like to come along with me? Push the boat just a little bit further out. Or maybe it's really launching into the deep of intercessory prayer, or even joining some of us today door-to-door work and and knock a couple of thousand doors. But folks, let's do it. I love this phrase uh, where it says, you'll no longer be a fisher of fish, but a fisher of man. What a thing. And apparently, uh, some translations say you'll no longer capture fish, but now you'll capture people. And I think that's a bit of a scary image, isn't it? Capture people, we don't want to do that. But maybe a better word is Captivate. Captivate. Has Jesus captivated your heart? Has he? And if he has, let's see other people's hearts captivated too. Let's all stand together.